Okay, hello everyone. How are you doing out there in Billy Watson TV Facebook world? I hope you're doing all right this Thursday night. Um, so I've got a, a guest on tonight who I met at the SMAP, which is Scottish Musicians and Artists Against the Poison of the Planet Night, run by David Nicholl at the Avantgarde Pub in Glasgow. He's got a, um, a page and a thing called The Last Jacobites, which I'm surprised I've not heard of up until this point, because since I've checked out, it's quite popular. Talks about a lot of similar subjects as I do. We got on quite well, so we've invited them onto the show. So welcome to the show, Ian. Billy, thank you very much for having me on, mate. It's uh, it's it's a pleasure. It's actually been a long time since anyone's had the balls to have me on the show, quite frankly. All right. So uh, I'd asked you on the show before I checked out your stuff, so I was just up up to hearing it anyway. So anyway, watch your stuff and you swear as much as I do, so that's all right. <laughs> I am I'm, I'm used to a wee sweary word. Sometimes you just have to get it out there. Yeah, it is about releasing frustration sometimes and people kind of like that because nobody else is doing it. It's like when you go out to the supermarkets and everybody's muzzled, you know, you just feel like you want to shout at them all, you know, what's going on? Fucking hell, this is mental. <laughs> I, I'm one of these people, I, 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 when I'm about in my car, which I'm often, you know, for my work, whatever, I've got Radio Scotland on. All right, that'll make you swear. <laughs> exactly. If there's a more propaganda station on the planet, I don't know what it is, and but they're the mouthpieces for the Scottish fascist government. And I guarantee, whether it's lockdowns or whether it's um, travel restrictions or whether it's jobs for kids, they'll be trailing it on Radio Scotland before the tartan tyrant gets up to talk about it. All right, all right. So it's worth listening to the enemy sometimes. It's, you know, type C, man. Yeah, that's the art of war and all that stuff I know yep. what you're talking about. But basically, it's just I can't watch it. You can ask my partner here. When it comes on, I just fucking lose it. It just it disturbs me. Like, I lived in Turkey for 12 years and avoided the media as much as possible. Then I'd go to a holiday resort, you know, the British resorts. Ah. And all the pubs that'll be the <laughs> Sky News up in the TV in the pubs, you know. And it just bring, brought it all back to me. And it just makes me feel uncomfortable. It's disturbing because you know the programming, it's, you know, how they're literally controlling their minds with the way they use language and these things. And when you're aware of that, yeah, it's frustrating to see how others can't see it and, you know, you're aware of that perception. Well, I mean, that, but that's part of why we do what we do, you know. Um, it's it's that attempt to reach out to people and, and, and to wake them up, you know I mean? On our shows, we make no bones. Um, we're through the looking glass now. We are down the rabbit hole. We are living George Orwell's 1984, right down to Newspeak and the Ministry of Truth. Yeah. So, according to the Tartan Tyrant, you see, <laughs> when, we put, when we're put back in lockdown, that's not going to be a restriction. It's a protection. Newspeak. Yeah, exactly. For your, for your health, obviously. For your good, your it's a protection. We're going to we're going to lock you up for your protection. We're going to forcibly hold you down and jab you for your protection. For the moronic uh, variant. Hi, <laughs> hi. Oh, there's stuff about that. There is stuff about that. No doubt we'll get into it at some point. <laughs> yeah, but uh, I mean, to me, it's just like it's surreal. It's, it's you've got to see the humour in it. It's like. The devil has a has a sense of humor with this stuff because you know even that's not by accident. You know, I was just going to. 
someone's definitely got a sense of humour. <laughs> um, but, but there you go. There you go. Um, I don't know, do you, do you want me to tell the folks a little bit about how the last gark about you started? Well, just before we go into that, just if you give us a bit about your own background, um, that sounds like a Highland accent you've got there, so kind of... Oh, it isn't. It, no, it is indeed. I, no. <laughs> um, I'm a colourful character, to say the least. Um, I was born in Beulah in the Black Isle back in the dark ages, um, <laughs> or 1968 to be precise, and um, <coughs> a working class family, tightly, but a hard working class. Um, and we were pretty affluent. My mum had a couple of shops at one point. My dad worked at NIG on good money. Um, and then there was an industrial accident, Thatcher came in and it all went to fuck. And we ended up unemployed. Or, you know, I mean, I ended up school dinner ticket. So, been on both sides of that fence since I was a boy. Affluence and poverty. <coughs> um, it's wonderful growing up in the Highlands, it's wonderful growing up in the country, but, you know, we have our problems too. And um, my dad was a bit of an alcoholic <laughs> and, um, and an abuser um, in all kinds of ways. My mum worked herself to death, uh, but I'll come to that in a second. And even as a boy, all I wanted was out. And I loved aircraft. And because of my love of aircraft, I ended up joining the air cadets a year before you're meant to, by the way. 141st Highland Division. <laughs> um, and we were very proud of, of that. We were very proud of, uh, you know, I was proud of wearing my, my wee cadet uniform and I rose in the ranks pretty rapidly and I became a glider pilot. And when I was 16 and I was, you know, being allowed to fly things and it was all, and run about with a gun and things. It was fucking, it was great fun. Um, and then I joined the Air Force to get away from home I think I, I joined the Air Force when I was 16 and I joined as an apprentice electronic engineer um, and that was a time <laughs> in Thatcherism when there was probably a thousand people applied for every, every place but I was just arrogant enough to know because I've always been very naturally intelligent in fact um, when I was a boy um, in primary school, my mum was approached and they wanted to take me and put me in a school for gifted kids, but I'm glad my mum said no. Um, but anyway, so I ended up in the Air Force and I was gung-ho anyway, but being an, an engineer, an electronic engineer, uh, getting to fly when I, when I wanted to, and um, officer trained and things like that. And then just shy of my 18th birthday, my mum died. Okay. And um, and my world kind of imploded. Didn't see the point in what I was doing. Certainly no longer believed in Queen and Country, but even so, I volunteered for the RAF Regiment, which was a whole different kettle of fish. And I stuck that out until I got fed up of being sent to help quell the Brixton race riots 
the Wolverhampton race riots, the minor strikes, and a lot of other dirty little things all across the world. <coughs> so I resigned and I wandered for a while. I got married. She got raped. And I killed the guy that did it. Right. I spent 11 years in prison. Right. I then became a Church of Scotland minister right. and spent a decade or so at that uh, before I was thrown out for being a bit too radical and having an affair, as you know. Um, but I mean, plenty of I, I can tell you ministers that have been caught in fucking brothels and got their wrist slapped, but you know. They had yeah. to get rid of me. They had to get rid of me because I was reminding people that they had the power, not one to one George Street. Yeah. And folks in Scotland, the links between one to one George Street and the SNP and that fuck fucking monstrosity that they call a parliament is unbelievable. What do you mean by one to one George Street? One to one George Street is the administrative offices of the Church of Scotland. However, they tend to think that they're a fucking mini Vatican. <laughs> and the way that the Church of Scotland is organised, it's meant to be grassroots, it's bottom up. So, elders and ministers are appointed to go to a thing called, um, well, first of all, Presbytery and then the General Assembly. And they are meant to decide by talking what the direction of the church ought to be on any given issue. However, certainly since the 70s, but increasingly as, as the years have gone on, what's happened is, 121 George Street was overtaken by the Iona Mafia and started to, to become a dictatorship where they were issuing directives left, right and centre and expecting churches up and down the land to jump to it. So I was trying to reverse that trend, quite frankly. That's why I'm the danger to them, Billy. Uh -huh. So nowadays, I, I work um, wherever I can. Um, so just come back a bit. In, in the church and stuff, did you get converted to Jesus or something like that? What made you come out of there being a preacher? Was there a big change that happened? <laughs> No, you know, you know, I'd always had some sort of faith. Always had some sort of faith. But my faith, even then and, and today, now, you know, very intelligent. wouldn't say photographic memory, but I'm like a sponge. So, um, and the Bible is a fascinating ancient document. Yeah. Absolutely fascinating. When you know how, when you, you've got the tools, um, to, to know how to read it properly and in, in the original languages of it. It's a fascinating document. It's it's Homer's Odyssey, all those things, all those ancient documents that people think are worth looking at. Well, the Bible's kind of there as well. And I did, when I was in prison, yeah, I skipped over it. When I was in prison, Billy, I started the prisoner listener scheme, didn't take any credit for it. I started adult basic education for short-term prisoners, didn't take any credit for it. I started innumerable education units and classes. I caused the entire suicide watch and SPS to be changed directly. 
Um, I did dramas, I did newsletters, I did the whole nine yards. <laughs> I, I never, I was, <laughs> I've always been smart enough to know how to fuck the man with their own rules. <laughs> and that's what they couldn't handle with me. Um, and what about but, your wife who got, who got raped? What, what happened to that situation? Well, well, okay, that's it, that's, that's, we split up. Um, she was had their own, you know. Hers is not my story to tell, but we split up. Um, while I was in prison. Um, thirty years later, she'd never been married uh, or remarried. Um, I'd I'd gone through a gamut of different people, and when you know we got back together, um, we've um. Uh, we've been together now for a few, back together for a few years, and we've just we got remarried last year, and we've just celebrated our um, first year of remarriage. Right. Congratulations! <laughs> Thank That's you very much. Told you I was a colourful character. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> um, <coughs> yeah, so that's me. Right. Yeah. Then go back to that. You came out of the prison. And then you were a preacher for 10 years, and what happened after that? You got kicked out because you were too radical in there. Yeah. Well, over that... me, I lost my home, my career, my wife, my kids, my dog, and find myself homeless and having to go through the homeless system and jobless and having to go through that system. But the thing was, in ministry, maybe I should point out, Despite what the church kept trying to push on me, I only worked poor areas. So I worked Eastern House, and I worked the Gorbals, and I worked Faithfully, and I worked Wren. <clears throat> I didn't want to work the fucking gifts mix or the, the you know, the, 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 the nice little posh places. No, no. Um, so do you get a wage for that? Is that like a job that you do and you go oh, yeah, to work? Yeah, yeah. Oh, you get well paid for it. Well, starting salary of, well, I say well paid. I, I still think it's well paid, but there's a lot of greedy bastards out there that won't. Yeah. As a probationary minister, it's £18,000, or it was when I was doing it, probably a lot more now. And your starting salary was 23 and that went up uh, year by year till about till you got to 30k. Okay. And on top of that, you got free accommodation, um, your council tax paid, some of your bills paid. So you could add maybe five grand onto that in, in gratuities. Praise Jesus. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> and let me tell you, it's a bit like nursing. I trained with about 20 of them. Maybe two were fit to fucking actually deal with people. The rest were just fucking in for a job. Right. Yeah, that's the thing. The, the preacher, that stuff, but that's the curriculum they've got to teach almost, isn't it? It's just mm. like the, the, everything comes top down, so they've got that job where they're still serving where it comes from. Like the education comes from there. You know, everything's... Well, so exactly, right? And, that's, and that was the top down was from 1 to 1 George Street. Right. And I would say, no, 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 it's not top down. It's fucking bottom up, mate. Right, bottom right. up. Yeah, yeah. I didn't like that. Yeah. Yeah, that's the thing with unions and stuff like that. That's why they've been deballed, basically, because that was the men, you know, 
fighting for the workers' rights. That's we started this kind of lack of fight back just now, obviously, when they destroyed the unions and people don't have that faith that sticking together has actually got power. Yes, and and not only does it have power, but it does change things. Yeah. <clears throat> I'll tell you a little story, since you're interested, um, of when I was training to be a minister, and despite having two very good degrees, I had to go back to Glasgow University, because the church only recognised four universities in the world, Glasgow, Aberdeen, St Andrews and Edinburgh. In Scotland, you mean? <laughs> the four houses of slithering, as I turned them into. Um, <laughs> and I went, and, and, and amongst things that were very modern, they had this archaic thing called the Candidates Association. And you got extra money just because you were a Church of Scotland candidate and other people didn't get. You got extra bursaries. You were part of different things that other people weren't part of. And I went to my first meeting of that thing and I went off on them and I said to them, you third years, don't speak to the second years, you don't speak to the first years and none of you speak to any other Canton campus. <laughs> and you somehow think that you're fit to go into a fucking parish and talk to people. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> so I resigned. No, no candidate had ever resigned from the Candidate Association. I resigned. Right. <laughs> now, everyone else who went through the Divinity School at Glasgow Uni was automatically a member of the Divinity Students' Union. So what I did was I joined the Divinity Students' Union, ran and became president. <laughs> and <laughs> and, and I'm going to need to fuck the man. It's what I do. It's what you, I do. You do what they do, basically. They infiltrate everything, so you're doing it back to them. <laughs> I use their rules against them, Billy. That's what I do. Yeah. That's what I do. I use their rules, their laws against them. Well, this is Any exactly what I can. And like I've been getting into recently, the Sovereign Project has been teaching me a little bit about and learning about the police, like, so the police came to my door and threatened me with arrest if I went back to the dentist for a, a non-issue, and that's against their fucking guidelines. So I put them on notice, and I'm looking at their guidelines, and I'm saying, what about that, that, and that? They're your own guidelines. You've went against them. What are you going to do about it? Because, you know, they're all there on paper, but they don't really want to, you know, hold them up, but you can, and that's the thing people don't. Well, one of the wonderful things about the, the last Jacobites is that we have, we have Andy Nicholl on the team. Now, Andy is an octogenarian with <laughs> a sharp mind. He's an ex-policeman. He's an ex-international investigator and he's ex-military. Right. He's like a Rottweiler, when he gets hold of something, he ain't going to let go. And he's got that sort of mind where he can spend hours and hours and hours of research on their laws and find the flaws. And I tell you, and folks, watch this, absolutely watch this. 
many a time. Now, we have presented something on The Last Jacobites, only for it to become headline news the next day or so. Andy has brought evidence. He's proved in all the way the, through the scandemic, we have proved that Sturgeon's restrictions did not have the force of law, were not enforceable. So what did Police Scotland have to do? They got a fucking QC to advise them. Funnily enough, that's when they stopped trying to find people with their COVID fucking fines and started finding them under common law. Did they? Oh, yeah, Billy. Oh, yeah. How so, and anyone who has been done under a COVID fine, we said back then, we'll say it again, send us the paperwork that you've got because it's illegal. Yeah, well, basically, you've not signed a mandate, so they can issue mandates all they want, but if you've not signed it, then it's just a guideline. It's not a law. Mandate is not law. Nah. But even, even in, it's, it's, I wish if Andy was here, he'd, he'd explain it far better than I, right? But the way they brought in the legislation, she was standing up there day by day, as she's going to be very shortly again, being a Hitler, handing out her, this is what's going to happen. I've decided that, for your protection, because I love you. <laughs> um, the, and she didn't have the, the authority to do so. The way that the Emergency Act had been, the UK Act, because we are under UK governments, that Parliament's nothing but a puppet. It has no fucking power, folks. It doesn't even have the power of the old regional councils, for fuck's sake. If you actually know what you're talking about. So we're under UK law. And the way they drafted the UK law was that any measure she brought in would have to be automatically reviewed every 23 days. Guess what? The fucking SNP so incompetent, the bastards. <laughs> they didn't bother following the legislation, putting it through Parliament the way they, the way they were supposed to, and reviewing it every 23 days. And Billy, honestly, if you go back to our shows from a couple of years ago, and then match it with the next couple of days or her next fucking broadcast, that's when they started dialing back from a lot of things, because they knew that we knew. Aye. Yeah, so you want to do put it out there so they, they have to change their plans. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, it's just so see-through. You know, at, at this point, um, what what makes you say though? You're saying before the show on, on here. I mean, obviously Germany is now trying to shut down access to everything for unvaccinated. What makes you say there's a lockdown coming? Have you got any inside information, or just it's obvious? A little bit of both. A little bit of both. Um, I am in the strange, <laughs> very strange position. Um. <coughs> Where, where the last Jacobites are, are now being seen around the world. And when I say around the world, um, you know, New Zealand, Australia, Canada, America, South America, across Europe. Um, you know, it's amazing. <clears throat> so I already had a lot of people who were talking to me. And now, quite frankly, I'm, I'm inundated with people sending me stuff. But, you know, I don't mind. I'll sort the wheat from the chaff. Keep sending. 
Um, and also, I do have insiders who, from time to time, will drop me a little line, note, and say. So, <clears throat> I had heard some very strong rumours that after Black Friday, we would, in the Western world, be going into the same situation as Australia. Mm. Now, it wasn't quite strong enough for me to broadcast, but I did keep my eye on it. And guess what? The day after Black Friday, Omicron <laughs> arrives. Right. So the day after the corporations get all their money, Aye. they announce Omicron. Aye. And then they immediately, immediately... Shut down the borders. Shut down the borders, just like they did. Now, watch, folks. You're not fucking in and suddenly find yourself in Bill Murray's Groundhog Day movie. But think back to two years ago. What happened? First thing they did was shut down travel. Then they were giving their daily COVID briefings. Now, no cunts watching them anymore, but fucking day by day, the Tartan Tyrant and the rest of them are getting up and telling you things. <clears throat> and it's always with a broken heart because of... Uh -huh. Oh, another case. One case and 65 million. Shouldn't exactly. <laughs> exactly. And, and, and... It can all be avoided if you line up and take your fucking jobs like a good little boy. You just need that one, then you need that one, then you need, <laughs> booster, then you need another booster, and then you need another booster every six months, and then after three months. I showed you, Billy, in through my door today. And they really should know better, because they do know where I live. <laughs> in through my door today came this. Okay. Right? No, it's not Kim Jong-un. <laughs> Let me bring it closer. It's a tartan fucking tyrant. Well, With the world behind her. And what does it say? We can build a new nation and a new world. Together. Because she's on our side, that woman. Have you ever seen anything which screams more new world order and globalist in your fucking life? Yeah. Not really, no. <laughs> I mean... She is, she is bought and sold, and, and you know, this is what's important for people to know, I think, Billy, right? I don't care where you are in this world, whether you're in Greenland or Greenwich or Greenock or anywhere, anywhere at this point in the Western world. Your politicians have sold out. Any politician that can make a difference, has been bought and sold. Yeah. <clears throat> There's one guy I was talking to in the UKIP on a, on a, on a live stream, Bill Etheridge, and he is a bit of a rebel within the party, and he's quite open to, you know, COVID being a scam and stuff like that, and he, he's kind of getting away with it for the time being. But certainly in your main parties, you don't get... The, certainly the upper echelons of these things is 100% bought and sold and maybe floating around the bottom of the ones but they're all kind of woke or they have, you know, they're all kind of got career ambitions and they're not 100% going for the truth and uh, you know 
Because if they do, they should be talking themselves about a job, really. Because well, the system's fucking... Anyone who knows anyone in politics, even if it's just your local councillor, if you get to know them and ask them about the party system, yeah, because they can be the most liberal-thinking, right-minded people in the world yeah. who are going into politics for the right reasons. But as soon as they get elected, they're under that party rule, and they're told from the get-go, yeah. you follow the party line, or you go nowhere, and we'll get rid of you. Yeah. Yeah, that's basically you know, that it, it kind of nullifies the whole point of politics. And voting for your local guy, you're just voting Labour or Tory. It doesn't matter about that guy because he's a puppet of the the main one. And if they don't go with it, you get whipped and all this stuff. And you know, it's a joke. <laughs> well, well, I know <laughs> this is great because it's just like it's just like last Jacobites. We just follow whatever that goes, you know. Um, but I know one of the things I'd like to talk about, and you, and you talked about earlier when we were chatting that you wanted to cover, was um, my idea, yeah. my little rebellion um, that I'm planning for the 25th of January. Yeah. So can I get, and I keep telling you, Billy, I'm a colourful guy. Can I give you some background to this? Quick question before you do that. You're doing it on the 25th of January it was Robert Burns' birthday, and then the Gavin Gardner had his uh, kind of wee mo- statue of him, and you're pointing to him. Now, obviously, the words of Robbie Burns, you know, known throughout the world, etc. But what do you think? A lot of people say, a, again, it's a bad terminology, although he says a Freemason and stuff. Not all Freemasons are necessarily bad, but obviously, you know, people kind of accuse him of being almost part of that, that establishment. Why do you hold him in such high regard and why do it on his birthday? Because <clears throat> Robbie Burns was one of the first Jacobites. Okay. And when you listen um, with, with the right ear to his poetry, he's revered in Russia. That's right. And other countries. But he's revered in Russia specifically because they can look at his writing and they can see proto-communism. When Rabi was writing, it was full-on um, insurrection. It was, it was Irish rebel tunes before there was Irish fucking rebels. <laughs> um. You know, a, a man's a man for all that. Might as well have been. Um, I'm off to Dublin in the green and the green. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? I do, I. It's a call to arms in many ways. And Claverhouse, known as Bonnie Dundee, was the, 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 the first Jacobite commander. And he fought the Battle of Killycrankie. And you'll know it from the song. Is that a relation to Jimmy? Well, exactly. Hey, the Crankies share the same surname as me, by the way. Um, <laughs> don't diss the Crankies. <laughs> I'm just... Yeah. 
He's the only other Ian Taff I've ever found. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Ian and Jeanette Taff, that's her real names. Um, yeah. And and people keep asking me if we're related and we're not. <laughs> I was a strange nickname, surname when I was looking it up. I was like, it must be rough. It can't be tough, you know. <laughs> no, no, it's uh, yeah, it's uh, it goes way back to um, medieval times when we ended up uh, by hooker by crook minor nobility um, in England, and uh, but supporting the Stuarts, and then uh, escaping to Scotland after the Civil War. Uh, settling where we could in the northeast of Scotland, and that's why in Aberdeenshire, for instance, the surname is often pronounced Tuch. Um, But we also served the the Jacobite commanders in every rising. Okay. So your last Jacobite thing is is going back in history then? It's not just... Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, It's not just a gimmick. Right. So, I don't know, you were saying about uh, uh, Killy Cranky, what was that? Yeah, I met the devil and Dundee on the bray of Killy Cranky. Now, Claverhouse, if he'd won that, well, he did, he won the battle, but he was killed. And so often in Scottish history, that's what's happened to the real heroes. Right. So because he was killed, the cause fell. There was a couple of Half attempts. Oh, my heating suddenly decided to switch itself on. Um, and it's quite noisy. Um, and then, of course, there was the infamous 1745 rebellion. Yeah. Now, most people might not say that. Actually, I'm, I'm constantly fucking shocked at how little people, even in Scotland, know Scottish history. And that's been, it's been part of almost 400 years suppression, I know. Yeah. Bonnie Prince Charlie wasn't a proof. Bonnie <laughs> Prince Charlie had to be fucking dragged from Culloden bodily. Let me just put that out there. He had to be dragged from Culloden? I mean, that was a really bad place to choose a battle. Would you not blame him for that? Wait, no, he, he he was trying to fight with his men. Right, okay. And well, he had to be dragged away. It was a stupid place to have the battle, obviously, with the marshland and all that there. What was the whole story? Because they led them all down to Derby, and then the King Edward was ready to run, and then he turned back. And then it was, that was classic again, Billy. Classic um, misdirection, cowardice, and infiltration. So, do you think that was the hero? No, 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 let me explain, let me explain. The Jacobites had fought their way down, been ignored by the big cities of Glasgow and Edinburgh, but gathering troops all the way down. They fought a couple of major battles. And one got as far down as Derby. And then they were told that the bulk of the English army was ahead of them. And some cowards and traitors reinforced that and started to whisper, we need to turn back. The fact is, the English army was in disarray and we could have marched on London and taken it easily. 
So it was the troops that came back and not under order? No, no, no. No, no, no. It was the high command. It was the traitors in the high command right. who ordered the troops to turn back. Right. And so began a force march of over 400 miles with little provision. So weary, hungry, some sick Highlanders. By this time, the English forces had deployed by ship, landed at Fort George and Fort William under the command of Cumberland the fucking Butcher who had lied to the populace and said that the Jacobites had raised the red flag of war, which meant no quarter, which they hadn't. So he told his men that if they were caught or captured, they would be fucking killed horrendously. So he issued his order of no quarter. And yet anyone that goes to Culloden Battlefield do not listen to the fucking English guides right. taking people round. Right. They're lying through their fucking teeth. But do go stand near where they say the English lines were. And then walk that short distance, only a few yards, down the path till you find the first stone that commemorates where the Jacobites got to. Weary, tired, hungry men with nothing but Highland targes, shields, a bit like the Vikings, and broadswords, fired into or ran into, headlong ran into English artillery which was firing a thing called muzzle shot or blast shot which is like a shotgun instead of a ball it fires, it was like a a tin filled with lead pellets that when it erupts from the cannon produces a field of death for 50 yards in every direction as well as the rippling fire of the British Army, which was the only army in the world at the time, which practiced with live ammunition, they were the German blitzkrieg of the day. That's colliding the other map. And yet those brave men got within a handful of yards of those cannons. If they'd taken those cannons, then it would have been a different Scotland we'd be living in today. Aye. Simple history. Simple history. And after that, the country was decimated and the banning of uh, Gaelic and the Highland clearances and all this stuff. Remember when you met me, Billy? I was wearing not a kilt, but a plaid. Yeah. Now, if folks care to go back and look, in 2018, at the height of Scottish independence marching season, they started to ask me to speak the rallies. They simply, they, they quickly fucking stopped, but they started to ask me. And in Glasgow, <laughs> I pointed out to folk, because I carry two banners, 
but I'm in no lock gap. And two bounders of County is the line romped into true flag of Scotland. The soul tires a sleeves flag given to you by the English. Allowed to you by the English. The line rampant signifies Scotland's sovereignty and freedom. And then I carry the blue flag of the Jacobites. And as I pointed out in Glasgow in April in 2018, everything about what I was wearing was an act of fucking rebellion. They banned the plaid. Okay. They banned our language. If you were caught wearing a white rose, the symbol of the Jacobite, which I do, you could be flogged on the spot. Okay. If you were caught flying the flag of the Jacobites or the lion rampant, which was also made illegal. Is it still illegal? It is indeed. Which is why I fly one proudly from my fucking flagpole. <laughs> it's not unlawful. <clears throat> then you could be hung in the spot and I said on the stage come let them try everything about what I wear is an act of rebellion it's not just a costume it's an actual physical act of rebellion yeah. now let me, let me give you let me give you a brief etiology of how the Jacobite began because uh, that might help folks, yeah? Yeah, definitely. Is that okay? Yeah, cool. <clears throat> right, so... Way back in 2012, having survived the Mayan apocalypse... <clears throat> we lived <clears throat> in the heady days of what appeared to be an upswing in Scottish nationalism driven by Salmon's SMP. And all of us began to have a little hint of the possibility after 400 years of repression, freedom. And I remember those heady days. I was part of all the parades, all the, the rallies, all the fucking car things. Everything, everywhere. I was everywhere. And there was thousands and hundreds of thousands and everyone you spoke to was buzzing for Scottish independence. So you could not believe the BBC when they said that we were behind the polls. Because yeah. evidence on the ground was telling me something completely different. I never heard anybody say they wanted to stay with England. I mean, no. there'd be one, two at the most, but certainly everyone I knew was I, it's worth a chance, it can't be any worse. <laughs> so, they, so, they, so it was like almost a silent, you know, they, 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 they say it was a silent majority, shite, absolute shite. <coughs> so, round about the end of 2013, uh, 2012, beginning of 2013, I thought, what can I do to help? And I thought, well, I'm on Facebook, I'll start a wee page called The Last Jacobite because of my background, my history, where I'm from, everything else, because of my passionate beliefs in Scottish freedom. And I'm a tertiary educated man, so I know a wee bit about history. So why don't I try and tell the stories 
of the Jacobites, an outlander would start all those things. I thought, why can't? Why don't I try and tell the story of the Jacobites and the real history of Scotland to help promote the cause? Yeah, and the SNP on the way. Hi. And that's how it started. But literally, days before the referendum, somebody contacted me and said, Ian, I've got information I'd like you to see. So I said, well, send it. And I, and I was shocked. It proved Nicholas Sturgeon, Alex Salmond and David Cameron sat down a little over a week before the date of the referendum and created the UK water market. Now, if you don't get what I mean by that, Salmond and Sturgeon, days before the referendum, sold Scottish water to English companies. <laughs> and that's why nowadays you're seeing it taken apart piecemeal. That's why in the remote highlands and in the rural, rural countryside, keep your eyes open, you're seeing vans that say things like Avon water. Aye. Mm -hmm. Well done, Nicola, Alex. I know. And, and, and just before I go on, just before I go on, I'll make myself a fucking... I've, I've been a target of fucking hatred since then. Because then I started looking at the SMP and discovered what they were all about. So I'll make myself a target of hatred again. Alba is not the fucking... That's that's not that's not the, the, the Lone Ranger on a white horse coming in to fucking save you. <laughs> yeah, it's I'm just not... the other fucking cheek of the same fucking arse. I, that's one... Because I was going to mention Salmon. Like, I'm not a fan of politics and politicians for a long time. But I've seen Salmon recently doing a speech in a town centre and then I asked them here, that's Alba. And it was just, it's just a fucking joke, these people. It's so laughable. You know what I mean? <laughs> How can anyone get behind him? It's like, please go away. Leave us alone. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, if there was a credible leader out there, I'd follow him. I'd do it willingly to last drop in my blood. But I'm not seeing any. Well, so anyway, Read ourselves, I think, is the point. Well, absolutely. Absolutely, Billy. I'll get to that. <laughs> so, from 20... And then, believe it or not, I'm the man who coined the term rigorendum. Okay. And okay, after, after, the, after the, the, the debacle of our referendum, which was accurately reported in about half a dozen different countries. I love what the Russians said about it. They said, we've seen fairer elections in banana republics. Right. <laughs> and at that point, Scotland indeed became a banana republic. It was rigged from arse to fucking elbow. Well, there's even videos of people doing dodgy things with ballot papers and stuff. Well, yeah, I could do several shows on how it was rigged now. Right. And the point being... Now get this, get this. They chose the numbers 55-45 as a direct slap and slur to the last time Scotland dared to try and be free, which was when? 
And if you don't think that's credible, HRH Lizard fucking Liz, <laughs> the very next fucking day, made Harry, son of fucking whoever he is, made him the Duke of Dumbarton, and I live in the Dumbartonshire area. That's a title I hadn't been used since before, since just before the Jacobite Rebellion. So since that point, I have fought them tooth and nail, I've exposed them tooth and nail. I have been constantly trying to wake people up to a very simple fact. And it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's legal, it's watertight, it's a fact. And I have actually attempted to do this now on four separate occasions. And on four separate occasions, they have managed to prevent me by force, by deception. And the last time, which was meant to be in Edinburgh, on the 2018 March, which had 250,000 motherfucking people there, Twelve o'clock at night, the night before, it was all on. There were several conspirators involved. Me, Pat Lee, Dave Llewellyn. Now, I mention those names deliberately. Because you'll still find those fuckers in and amongst the fucking so-called independence groups. Well, somehow, between them saying it was all go twelve o'clock the night before, and when I arrived in Edinburgh... At half past seven the next morning, it all changed. And they, they, they weren't going to do it anymore. In fact, Pat Lee deliberately spiked my gun <laughs> by running up to the stage and having people sign what he called a mock declaration of independence. So you couldn't, after that, say, no, actually, folks, it's fucking real. No. Dave Llewellyn, Pat Lee, sell-out bastards, traitors to Scotland. Dave Llewellyn, I actually think, is part of security forces, believe it or not, folks. Yeah, Take that for what it's worth. Yeah. So, the idea is very simple, Billy, because I know we're... Just before we get to that one, would you like to go back and go back to give the history of the Jacobites, because you're going to tell that story. Right, I, okay, yeah, well, so, I mean, basically from 2014 to 2018, um, the, the page... It grew in influence, but I didn't allow it to grow in likes. See, I'd seen all the other pages. I'd been involved in the fucking pages. I was there at the start of the so-called Scottish resistance, which is a fucking joke. Um, and I'd seen how they, one by one, anything that you said that was anti-SMP, you just got slaughtered for. And I, slowly and quietly, I began to withdraw from those. And the Jacobite's mine. So I can say what I fucking want. I don't care what people fucking think. Yeah, that's why I've got my thing. <laughs> so, so, up till probably a couple, two years ago, the Jacobite only had about a thousand likes. I, you know, I kept it rumbling along like that. But you know what? I'd fucking banned probably about four or five thousand.
and and as well as the 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 conspiracy that we had to enact the declaration of our rules that day i'd also come up um before speaking in glasgow to that that rally one of the times that i tried to enact the declaration of our rules was when the the folks um had done an indie camp in the grounds of the parliament in the same way as the peace camp of Basel. and um and of course the blessed smp didn't want folks fucking camping protesting for independence oh no 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 that would never do <laughs> so they had them evicted and they still try and use the myth that it was through the Scottish corporate government body. No, it was fucking SNP. So, thing was, they tried to slap those people on the wrists as well. And they took them to court, they were going to make them pay fucking hundreds of thousands, homes were at risk, everything else. Somebody asked me to get involved, so I did. I gave my advice, I went to see their, to their office, I gave them my best advice. But inevitably, in these things, other people thought they fucking knew better, got involved, so I took a step back. But the day of their first court appearance in the, at the Supreme Court and the Courts of Justice in Edinburgh, several thousand people pitched up to support them. And there was one very simple plan. If I'd gotten through the doors of that court, that can hold over 400, before the proceedings began, I was going to stand up, remind the judge of his oath under Scots law, and ask if there were a hundred free Scots there with me who were going to be willing to enact the Declaration of Rules. Two things happened that day. As I was standing outside having a bag, <laughs> a wee old lady came up to me. And she thrust this envelope into my hand. She said, you're the only man in Scotland that trusts to have this. And away she went without ever, I don't even know her name. Hmm. I thought, right, I didn't even think about it. Shoved it in my pocket, forgot about it. That day, they had loads of big burly policemen guarding that courtroom with clickers in their hands they counted in 80 members of the public and would not let another single soul go into that court despite the fact that it hold 400 oh. aye <laughs> aye you you're starting to get the impression they really don't want me to do this Billy <laughs> so, when I got home, I looked at the envelope that this little old lady had given me. And I opened it, and I, I, I'm telling you, I just about had a fucking heart attack, because this is what I had. And again, I don't know if you can see it, I'll try and bring it as close as I can to the camera. The Scottish Covenant with signatures. This document's fucking mythical. 
Right. Wow. I mean, uh, it's mythical. Wow. Is that the original? It is original. Wow. Now, now what happened is in 1951-52, real Scottish nationalists came up with the idea of the Scottish government, which was a handwritten, hand-collected petition to Westminster for the real <laughs> Scottish Parliament to be allowed to sit. They collected over one and a half million signatures by hand going door to door. Right. <coughs> that at the time was a clear majority of Scots. There was a little under three million Scots living in Scotland at the time. Those petitions were put in a van sent to Waste Monster. Here's the thing. Waste Monster says they never received it. <laughs> Even the blessed SMP say it never happened. <laughs> but here, I have physical proof in my hand that not only did it happen, but that just like every other time we have tried to use voting, referendum, proclamation, whatever, they're not they're not willingly going to give us their freedom. It's anyone that doesn't know that right. has got a fucking rock for a brain. Right. So what's your plan then for January? <clears throat> it's it's very, very simple. In Scotland, we have this wonderful, ancient document. It's called the Declaration of Ardrose. I start every show that I do with it. If there be but 100 of us remain alive, never will we, under any condition, be brought under English rule. It is in truth, not for honour, nor for glory, nor for riches that we are fighting, but for freedom, for that alone, which no honest man gives up, but with life itself. Now, that's the bit that's most well-known, is the bit that's on the plaques. What's not well-known is just prior to that, it actually says, in effect, I won't quote it, but I'll, I'll give you, you know, the effect of it. If Robert Bruce or anyone else that comes after him claiming to be our king or leader or fucking whatever would put us under English rule, then we reserve the right to drive them out as a traitor a usurper of their rights and ours. So if there be but 100 of us, now you got the context. Yeah. Right. right. All of Scots law is based on the Declaration of Articles. Now, a little known fact, as a Church of Scotland minister, you're known as a lawyer of the Church. Church law, old Scots law, very similar, folks. Very similar. And believe me, I had fucking hours of the most tedious fucking study, which I'll never get back to learn the fucking thing. But I can tell you this. 
the declaration of our growth still has power. You see, Scotland became a vassal of England in 1707. How did that happen? The English, first of all, bankrupted Scotland by blockading our settlement in the New World, which most of our nobles had put their money into. They then bribed our nobles with gold and lands and titles down south. And a quorum of our real parliament called the Three Estates met in Edinburgh and over dinner ratified the Act of Union. And then they went into voluntarily abeyance. Now, Listen to my words, abeyance. They did not disband. They were not outlawed. They, did, they, didn't, they went into abeyance. Now, something that's in abeyance can be recalled. Do you get that, Billy? Yeah. Now, the Union caused riots in every town and city in Scotland. That's why they sent in the English fucking redcoats and now you're in outlander territory, right? So here's the thing. And by the way, the Declaration of our Bros was what the American Declaration of Independence was based upon. So that came from the Magna Carta? No. That's an English lie, as many of them fucking are. Really? The Magna Carta has no sway in Scotland. And I'm sorry to tell some of the common law folks that, but that's the truth. Scots law is higher than common law by several degrees. Indeed, that's why they did that fucking old McGrackie thing, and I spent time with the bastard um, in The Hague with Scottish, a Scottish court because it's held to be the highest law in the world. There you go. Right. The Magna Carta certainly holds water, certainly had some influence, but most of the founding fathers were either Scots or of Scots the same. Right. So, no, the, the, the biggest influence on the Declaration of Independence, as most uh, American scholars know, was Scotch and the Declaration of Arbor. Okay. That's different, right? It doesn't matter. Right. The point being, on the 25th of January, I'm going to take a little walk into Edinburgh and it'll be 1pm and I'm deliberately not telling you where until closer to the time, for obvious reasons. But that's good enough, I think, if folks want to make fucking arrangements, you ought to be in Edinburgh on the 25th by midday. It's not a big time to get around. where I'm going to be. Uh -huh. And I trust, trust me, if you're in Edinburgh, the city centre, you'll be able to get there. Plenty of time. Right. <clears throat> but I'm going to raise the lion rampant and I'm going to raise the red Jacobite flag of war. Not the blue one anymore, the red one. And I'm going to hope that a hundred brave sovereign Scots will stand with me. And if they do, 
standing on the declaration of our growth, I'm going to recall in three states. And I'll set a date and a time for the three states to meet. And right there, both Waste Monster and the Puppet Parliament are up shit creek without a paddle. For if they deny our ability to recall the three states, they'll need to do that in a Scottish court of law. And every Scottish judge has sworn an oath on Scots law, which is based on the Declaration of Our Books. If a hundred stand with me, I'll do it. If there's a thousand, they won't be able to ignore us. If there's ten thousand, we've already won. And I'll respond thereafter. Whichever way they jump. They want to jail me, do so, been there. They want to make me a martyr, go ahead. There's thousands of saplings. You want to try and ignore me? You will not be allowed. You want to send in the army? I'll meet you in the field. But whoever will stand with me. This will be the last Jacobite rebellion and I'm not kidding folks. It's the only way I know to free Scotland and to put a spoke straight to the heart of the fascist international regime which is trying to take over the world right now. There you go, Billy. I think we've gone over the time that you'd allotted, but um, thank you very much for, for just letting me say that. Folks. That was great. It was a really powerful way to finish there. Certainly, I hope it encourages people to go and check out your page to get to know you a bit more and uh, stay in touch for what's going to happen. Because certainly, I'm all for getting a plan together that's got legitimate, you know, power behind it and people standing in that truth and then seeing where the cards fall, basically, because that's all you can do, you know. And so, well done for all your efforts over the years and for the work. I'm sure you took a lot of grief for exposing the SNP, but hell, Christ Almighty. I never got behind. I knew it was a fucking facade old politics. But still, it's an embarrassment what Nicola Sturgeon's doing right now. And the people letting her get away with it. That's what pisses me off. People like Janie Godley and um, you know doing this advert for the SNP and talking absolute horse shit. Uh, and just the whole... Yeah. It's, it's incredible the bullshit that comes out of people's mouth. We have to stay strong and be patient while, we, while other people catch up to the truth. It's not hard for people to face what's going on right now. Hopefully the Omicron moronic variant will be making a few alarm bells go off. <laughs> well, well, I can't help because I, I know some of the stuff that you're, you're, you're into. So for your audience, I'll throw you a wee snippet. Reaching back to my Glasgow University days when I had to, uh, I had to study ancient Greek Makes me sound awful grand. Trust me, uh, Dr. Linda Hunter had to resort to fucking stick drawings to get us through it. But we got there in the end. <laughs> but do you know my Greek alphabet? And we've somehow gone from Delta, missing out, Echo, Theta, and Eta, straight to Omicron. 
Why? Well, you'll find plenty of theories out there, but I'll give you one. Just from my knowledge of ancient Greek, the connotation of Omicron is to set, to null, or void. You will own nothing, and you'll be happy. The Great Reset. The Great Reset. There you go, mate. There you go. So that's just a little tidbit. Folks, I'll be going live on The Last Jacobites. Probably, I'm going to take a wee comfort break, but probably in about 15 or 20 minutes. Um, we do three levels of show. Sunday night is what began as our independent show, but we now talk about the things that matter because it's worldwide. And we have, um, we, we've got folks from down under who come on the show and tell us what's really happening down there, Julie especially. On a Tuesday night, we get a bit more conspiratorial, and I talk a wee bit more about some of this crap, what's really going on. And on a Thursday night, I call them, smoke them if you've got them, because I give you where I really think we are, and folks, it's not good. So, whichever level of truth you want to land in on, Sunday, Tuesday, or um, Thursday, and in the meantime, my colleague Karen, try and get this right, I think it's Wednesdays, Fridays, and Sundays, does a, does a, a show at about 7 o'clock. So. And Billy, we want to have you on, so... Pick one of those days and tell us which one, and we'll we'll uh, we'll organise that. Okay, that sounds good. If you hang around just now, we'll chat after the show. So thanks again for coming on. People go and check out the Last Jacobites page on Facebook and uh, hook up and check out the stuff. Thanks for watching. Cheers now. Bye bye. Bye everyone.